Good morning. We're glad to have you join us for this week's broadcast. We pray that today's message will be a blessing to you. Our scripture is coming from the book of Luke, chapter 11, beginning in verse 1. The Bible says, And it came to pass that as he was praying in a certain place, when he ceased, one of his disciples said unto him, Lord, teach us to pray as John also taught his disciples. And he said unto them, When ye pray, say, Our Father which art in heaven, hallowed be thy name. Thy kingdom come, thy will be done as is in heaven, so in earth. Give us day by day our daily bread, and forgive us our sins, for we also forgive everyone that is indebted to us. And lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from evil. We're going to stop there for right now. We're looking at the passage that comes after this, the parable, a knock at midnight, but we're going to start with what inspired the parable, and that is the great need, the need of our land, the need of the disciples as they come and they ask the Lord to teach them to pray. Now, we think it's an easy matter to pray. We think there's not much to it. You just go talk to God, but apparently there was much more as these disciples watched Jesus pray and they had a burden. They had a desire to learn to better pray. And I believe it's important for us today to have an effective prayer life. We must learn to pray. And this prayer, you could study it all day. You could study it for weeks and not get everything out of it. But I want to pull out three things real quick that's in this prayer this morning that we must learn to pray if we want to have an effective prayer life. First of all, we've got to learn to pray according to His will. In 1 John five fourteen, and this is the confidence we have in Him that if we ask anything according to His will, He heareth us. Oftentimes we pray according to our will. We don't put God first. If you notice in that prayer, He says, when you pray, say, Our Father which art in heaven, hallowed be thy name. Thy kingdom come, thy will be done as in heaven, so in earth. First off, we need to start and glorify God. Warren Wiersbe stated that oftentimes when he started to pray, he'd have something that he'd be burdened about. He'd take into the prayer room with him. And as he started to pray, as he started to glorify and exalt God, those things that seemed so important to him as he started out, by the time he got around to praying about him, they did not feel that important. We need to make sure that we are praying according to God's will. We're praying thy kingdom come. We're praying for him to come back. We're praying for him to gather up his own. We need to make sure we're praying in light of heaven and looking forward to heaven. It's often said that sometimes we get too heavenly minded to be of any earthly good, but I believe that the exact opposite is true. If we're heavenly minded, if we're looking toward the things of heaven and we're laying up our treasures in heaven, we're gathering souls and we're about the Father's business, I believe we'll be much more earthly good to our Savior, to our Lord. We need to make sure we are praying according to His will. We are seeking His will. We also need to make sure we're praying in His will, that we have a right relationship with Him. James 5.16 says, The effectual, fervent prayer of a righteous man availeth much. We need to make sure that we are praying, that we are right with God, that we are serving Him, we're doing what we're supposed to be, that we don't have sin in our life. If God's already dealt with us to get something right, to take care of something, to make something right, and we're praying, we shouldn't expect God to answer our prayers. He He's a gracious God. He might do it anyway, but we shouldn't expect Him if we're not righteous, if we're not 
praying if we're not living in our best to Him. A.W. Tozer once said, Have you noticed how much praying for revival has been going on of late and how little revival has resulted? I believe the problem is that we have been trying to substitute praying for obeying and it simply will not work. Prayer will become effective when we stop using it as a substitute for obedience. If God has called you to do something, if God has called you to leave something alone or to walk away from something, it is our responsibility to make sure we do that. We need to pray according to His will, pray in His will, but also in His work. We have a responsibility to work to serve Him, and we find our own requests changing as we put the glory of God first in our prayers. There is a great need of our land, and what that need is, we find in the last verse it mentions, it gives us the idea of what this bread that's getting ready to be asked to is a type of, as it says, if ye then, being evil, know how to give good gifts unto your children, how much more shall your heavenly Father give the Holy Spirit to them that ask Him. We have a great need in our land, and that is a need for the Holy Spirit, for the presence of God to dwell in our services, to dwell in our families, to dwell in our preachers, our our deacons, our Sunday school teachers, our ushers, everyone that's serving God, our church members. But that's going to start when we have the Holy Spirit in our prayer. When the Holy Ghost is moving and working in our prayer life, then we'll start to see the Holy Ghost working in the rest of our life when he has free reign. But we see the second point and what is being brought out. We see the neglect in this hour. Verse number five of Luke chapter 11. And he said unto them, which of you shall have a friend and shall go unto him at midnight and say unto him, friend, lend me three loaves for a friend of mine in his journey has come to me and I have nothing to set before him. And he from within shall answer and say, trouble me not. The door is now shut. My children are with me in bed. I cannot rise and give thee. I say unto you, though he will not rise and give him because he is his friend, yet because of his importunity, he will rise and give him as many as we need. We see the neglect in this earth, and that is the neglect to pray, the neglect to have that right relationship with God. Now, you should note this is a parable of contrast. Don't think that this friend that God is like this friend. Don't think that he's asleep. And as Elijah said about Baal, may be asleep. And that we need to pray louder. We need to pray more insistently to wake him up. No, what the focus on is the great neglect in this hour to pray. We get too busy. We've got everything under control. We do everything on our own. And we neglect to get in our prayer closet. We neglect to get on our knees, even as a preacher. We've got to be careful, preachers and pastors. We've got to be careful not to rely too much on all the helps that we have, on all the commentaries and all the, all the study helps and everything. We've, we're rich. We're rich in resources today, but we've got to be careful when we don't rely too much on them and neglect to pray and to get on our knees and ask God to show, to reveal His Word to us. Christian Sunday school teachers, whatever your place may be, whatever your service, whatever God's called you to do, we need to make sure we're praying consistently, consistently in this midnight hour as the 
Satan as he's coming to fight against us, as he's waging battle against our families, against our churches, trying to tear down everything we stand for. We need to make sure that we're praying, that we're relying, that we're working on that relationship with God, that we're close to him. Matthew 12, 29 says, How can one enter into a strong man's house and spoil his goods, except he first bind the strong man, and then he will spoil his house? The Satan knows, the enemy knows that coming against our prayer life and getting us out of that relationship with God, he knows that that's our strength. He knows that that's what keeps us going. And if he can get us out of that, then he'll come in and he'll tear everything apart. We need to make sure that we're praying consistently, that we're praying without ceasing, that we're always in that state of prayer. We're always in that state of going to the Lord and asking him to protect us, to help us, to reveal himself to us. We need to pray consistently in this midnight hour, but we need to pray boldly in this midnight hour. Hebrews 4.16 says, Let us therefore come boldly under the throne of grace that we may obtain mercy and find grace to help in a time of need. Hebrews 10.19 says, Having therefore, brethren, boldness to enter the holiest by the blood of Jesus. We have a right, we have a privilege in Jesus Christ that is to come boldly into the throne room, to come boldly and pray in this passage that one that went and knocked on his friend's house in the midnight hour. You wouldn't dare go knock on a stranger. You wouldn't dare go knock on somebody you didn't have a friendship, you didn't have a relationship with at this midnight hour and to ask to borrow bread. But this man, here he was, here he was knocking on the door insistently, persistently knocking on the door, knocking on the door. This friend, he might have tried to hush him. He might have tried to just send him on, but he realized that he was going to wake up his family, he is going to wake up the whole neighborhood if he didn't just answer the door, that he might as well go ahead and let him in and offer that bread that he asked of. And you have to have a relationship. You have to have a friendship. I'm glad that we can go boldly to our Father in a great time of need, but I challenge you not to let it be a neglected thing. When you come across somebody that God opens up a door to witness to, don't wait until then to start praying. Be praying that God will open those doors. Be praying that God will have you ready. Be praying that God will anoint you with the Holy Ghost, that you'll have some bread to offer them. As we go to church this morning, we don't know who's going to visit. We don't know who's going to be there, but Lord, help us to pray. Lord, help us to have some bread. Lord, help us to have the presence of the Holy Ghost with us and on our services. I told you already, this is a parable of contrast. God is not asleep. And let's look at the next verses. It's made very clear the kind of God we serve, the nature, our third point, the very nature of God in verse number nine. And I say unto you, ask and it shall be given you. Seek and you shall find, knock and it shall be opened unto you. For everyone that asketh receiveth, and he that seeketh findeth, and to him that knocketh it shall be opened. If a son shall ask bread of any of you that is a father, will he give him a stone? Or will he ask, if he ask a fish, will he for a fish give him a serpent? Or if he shall ask egg, will he offer him a scorpion? If ye then be an evil, know how to give good gifts unto your children. How much more shall your heavenly Father give the Holy Spirit to them that ask him? We need to realize the nature of God and how much he loves us. We are not wringing gifts from an unwilling God, but going to someone who knows our needs better than we know ourselves and whose heart towards us is the heart of a generous love. If we 
do not receive what we pray, it's not because God grudgingly refuses to give it, but because He has some better thing for us. There is no such thing as unanswered prayer. The answer given may not be the answer we desired or expected, but even when it is a refusal, it is the answer of the love and the wisdom of God. We need to come to Him as children. That's what this passage is saying. What what of you? What father, if a son asked bread, would you give him a stone? Or for a fish, would you give him a serpent? Something that would hurt him? Or if he asked for an egg, would you offer him a scorpion? Something that would hurt him. If you then, being evil, know how to give good gifts unto your children, how much more shall your heavenly Father give the Holy Spirit to them that ask Him? We need to make sure we're praying in God's will. We need to understand there's sometimes we're going to pray for something. We're going to pray for God to do something and He's simply not going to do it because He knows best. In His infinite wisdom, He knows what's best for us. I'm reminded, I know I often use Him as an example, but I'm reminded of my son, Jace. My boy, he's the hottest natured little boy I've ever seen. He loves to be in the cold. If you take him outside and it's cold and he'd get so upset when you bring him back in, his little nose would be cold, his little hands would be froze off. In fact, he likes to take a nice cold bath. I'm not talking about a lukewarm bath. I'm talking about a cold bath. That's what he likes. That's what he enjoys. If you open the refrigerator or the freezer, he, ooh, that, that's nice. He'll try to climb in and I don't let him climb in. I can't let him climb in. Why? Because it's not safe. It's not a place he ought to be. It's not what's best for him. Let's know this morning. Let's realize you look at this passage and as you pray and you look back at the things you might want to pray for, you might have prayed for in the past and you see that God's not giving them to you and you say, well, God didn't answer that prayer. No, no, no. He did answer that prayer. Sometimes the answer is no. In fact, Ruth Graham, she said one time that if she had gotten every prayer that she had prayed for, she would have married the wrong man twice. She had a grasp and she realized that sometimes God protects us from things that we shouldn't need. Church, let's remember, folks, Christians, as we pray, let's remember, let's pray to glorify God and let's pray according to His will in His will, seeking, seeking what He desires for us. And let's make sure that we pray consistently and fervently and boldly in this midnight hour. Let's make sure this morning, as you go into your church, wherever it may be, I pray that the Holy Spirit's presence will be real and be manifested among your congregations. God bless.